Skip Schumacher moving things around with these starting pitches. Sandy Alcantara switching with Jesus Lazardo in the order. Sandy getting the ball in game one against the Rays. Jesus Lazardo will get the ball in game two. Skip Schumacher says managing these starting pitches has been the toughest element uh, of the season for the Marlins. Tons to get into ahead of a must-win series for the Marlins. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, of course, hit subscribe. This is your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. This one is coming at you pre-game in advance of the Marlins starting the two-game series, uh, a regulation two-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Of course, there is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Head on over there, hit subscribe. You will see if you are watching. It's Tuesday's episode, and it's another solo pod. Two solos, back-to-back solos. Unbelievable scenes. We just can't get the guests anymore. What's happening? If you're listening, you want to be a guest, slide into those DMs, baby. We always need to talk. I need people to bounce off. And uh, other Marlins fans are always welcome, of course. Hopefully the UK go on the show later on. Definitely have one guest queued up for Fridays, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. So, nevertheless, guys, welcome to the Tuesday episode in advance of this Rays series kicking off. Uh, This episode is sponsored by Sleeper and Swing for the Fences on Sleeper Picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the Sleeper app and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 states, and you can check out Sleeper today. Ah, more about those guys later on. Um, Skip Schumacher sp- speaking yesterday. I think it was yesterday anyway. Maybe it was today. Saying that the, the toughest element of his first managerial season with the Marlins is managing his young arms. And heading into this series, we're kind of seeing some of that. Where we're making the, the switch in the rotation here. Sandy brought forward a day. Or if you could look at it like Jesus Lazardo pushed back a day. Six days rest for Sandy. So he's well rested. It's going to be eight days rest for Jesus Lozado. And I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of that time of the year now where clearly, and, and the questions were being asked of Jesus Lozado in, in advance of his last start anyway, like, is, is he tired? Myself and Kyle Seelaff and the everydayers listening in would we'll, have heard it last week. We we're talking about this. You know, what's happened to Jesus Lozado? What's driving this bad stretch? And many people were pointing to the fact that he's probably tired. It's a tiring season. Jesus Lozada was being healthy. Career high innings for him, which is great. But equally with that comes different types of strains, different types of stresses on him. He bounced back big time last time out, which is great to see. Great to see. But, you know, they're building in little extra days of rest here and there. You know Sandy can handle the workload. You know Sandy is craving for the workload. He wants it. Sandy wants to roll on like three days rest. He'd be fine. He'd just cut a few gym sessions, do a few less squats, whatever it might be. Sandy's always ready to go. And that is the main benefit for the Marlins. Like this is Sandy, his benefit, you know, what he delivers on the field is so valuable. But equally, when you have such a young rotation, the value add of Sandy, when you've got Yuri Perez, Brax, 
Lozado, Eddie Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, like basically everyone apart from Cueto and problems being with Cueto that he hasn't been able to be healthy for a good chunk of this season. So that kind of scuppered the Marlins here and meant that Sandy, you know, it, the value remains. And it's probably even more heightened this year because effectively everyone is hitting their career highs and the Marlins are trying to manage that. And it's so tough to manage when they're so thin at that spot. So thin, but they're right in the hunt. So that is where you start to do things that ideally maybe you wouldn't have done. The Marlins didn't want to send Yuri Perez down when they did, but they had to. They had to send him down to try to preserve his arm as best they could. You know, he's back up right now. I spoke on yesterday's show. I think he's only got two starts left to go if indeed 120 is his max, max number. And let's assume he has two five-inning starts, let's say, next time, next two times out. That's going to be 120. So... By early September, that's Yuri Perez done. They had to try and preserve him. You know, the same, like, Braxy had a little wobble. Lazardo's had a little wobble. The Marlins are flexing this around, just giving Lazardo a little bit more, bit more of a breather, which is probably the right thing to do. So, the Tampa Bay Rays are on deck. And for me, this is a huge series in many ways. The funny thing is about the Rays, you, you don't watch them. I don't watch them very regularly, but we always, we play them every year, right? So, that's, we, we always get eyeballs on the Rays. And the thing is with the Rays, they they lack glamour. They lack glamour, but they are one hell of an effective unit. Effective as hell. few things stood out to me about the Rays, really caught my eye heading into this series anyway. Run differential. Who cares about run differential? Well, let me tell you, the Rays run diff right now, plus 174. 174 run differential. Just to remind you on the Marlins side, they are negative 48. The best in Major League Baseball is the Atlanta Braves at 229. 229. But the Rays are second best in run differential. They've scored 704 runs in total, right? 704. How many the Marlins scored? 526. They've almost scored 200 more runs than the Miami Marlins. They're currently sat at 80 and 52. Two and a half games back in that division. Boy, oh boy, that AL East is absolutely brutal. They've won the last two and they're 8 and 2 in the last 10. So the Rays had a bit of a wobble. They're dealing with tons of like pitching issues and injuries, etc. They're dealing with other stuff off the field that we won't spend a ton of time dwelling on in this uh, episode or on this podcast in general, to be honest with you. But they are dealing with things and they are missing. Some studs, no doubt, uh, both on the pitching side and the offensive side. But somehow the Tampa Bay Rays, they find a way to just keep it rolling. And it's without glamour. It's without sex appeal. They somehow find a way to do it. What about the runs against? They've, they've conceded 530 runs in total. And you like think about from a Marlins perspective, well, we're pitching in defense. So where do the Marlins stack up there? Marlins have conceded 574 runs. So again, the Rays have got it, got us covered. They have us covered. Generally, the Marlins are like okay in that spot. You know, it's the offense is is below par for sure. And I mean, from a Marlins perspective, it's funny, right? Because you, you don't often look at these numbers. Not that regularly, anyway. The Marlins, 526 runs scored. What about the Washington Nationals? How many runs have they scored? 575. They've scored 50 more runs, give or take 49. 49 more runs than the Marlins. Well, what about some of those other terrible teams? What about the St. Louis Cardinals? What have they done this year? 590. 
590, 65 more runs than the Marlins. All right, well, what about the Colorado Rockies? Absolutely terrible, 575. All right, what about the Oakland A's? Surely they got the A's covered, right? They have got the A's covered, 476. But it just points to this Marlins team is, you know, the offense still is not good enough. And runs win matches. They win games. You win ball games by scoring runs. And overall, the Marlins offense, if you just look at that most simplistic number of total runs scored, and I know there's always situational games and situational um, periods where you'll end up, you know, the other team will punt a game because for whatever reason, or they'll have a guy out there who's got a tear in his arm and just about to have Tommy John and he wants to give up five home runs. There's always situational stuff that comes into it. But overall, you have to look up and down Major League Baseball and think the Marlins offense remains not good enough. Not good enough. The bullpen earlier in the year was really situationally impressive. So many one-run games. That was the point. We're all talking about it. And I think that's at the heart of it. When we got back to, we didn't know how to act. It's a funny thing because the Marlins were like winning games, 14 over 500. I'd say particularly earlier on in that period, like no one knew how to react and how to act because we could all see what was happening on the field. We all kind of knew that it that it wasn't real. Insert GIF, insert whatever you want to insert, you know, insert there, that that MF was not real. <laughs> but we could all feel it and we knew it because the offense just, you know, hasn't been good enough. The offense was was basically a rise in Soler. Ch- other guys chipping in here and there. Jazz Chisholm missing for a, a ton of time. But it's wild to look now just how poor the offense has been overall in a full body of work. And even comparing against some of the worst teams by record anyway, and how the Marlins stack up, they don't stack up well. They only stack up pretty well against the A's, and the A's, the A's are the A's, and they are absolutely not in it. So in some ways, for the Marlins to have only had this amount of run production from their offense all season long, and to be in the position they are, one game over 500, heading into September, you know, a couple of games against the Rays, let's see how it goes. feel like you always feel like if you take one of two against the Rays, you know, you feel like you've had a good series. However, what I would say, this is a little ray of light. Sandy Alcantara is going, so we have that. You also have Zach Eflin going in game two for the Rays. The Marlins always seem to hit, you know, match up really well against Zach Eflin. So there's that. Savali, I think, is going in game one. Chance there also. Lazardo's back. He's seemingly back. Also, the other thing to call out, the Marlins' home record. They've played some really good ball at home. They are 38-29 and 29 at home. On the road, less so. But at home, 38-29. and 29. They've played well in Lone Depot. It, it suits them. It feels like it suits them. It feels like Arias always seems to find a gap in Lone Depot. It feels like Jesus Sanchez always seems to knock one opposite field somehow. It feels like Brian De La Cruz always finds... It used to be that Garakuba would find a gap. And actually, Garakuba, boy, oh boy, the San Diego Padres Twitter fan base is going bananas. They're absolutely loving what they're seeing from Garakuba. Whole load of discourse has started now, you know, Coop's had a hot streak. Coop always has these hot streaks. Coop is who he is. He is an above-average big league hitter. Doesn't hit a ton of home runs. No sex appeal in many ways. I mean, take that with a pinch of salt. 
No sex, you know, not a sexy name. That's what I'm trying to say. Coops. Coops is, yeah, is a stud. <laughs> but Garrett Cooper now lighting it up for the Padres. Next thing is Marlins Twitter blowing up because Coop's doing well. Coop's doing well. Coop's always going to do well. He would have done well with the Marlins too. The Marlins look to upgrade. Well, they look to rebalance the offense. The one thing I want to say about it, I've spoke about it already on this, this podcast, I'm sure about it, but just to re-emphasize this point, because Cooper's you know, doing well with the Padres. But the Marlins were looking for something a bit different. They were looking for a game-changing power stick, a guy that can hit home runs more frequently, and a guy that had an extra year of control, and that's Josh Bell. That's what the Marlins wanted to do. Coop, pending free agent. They've moved things around. Ryan Weathers, former top prospect. You know, he'll be given the Jesus Lazardo treatment over the offseason. I'm, I'm confident of that. And then you've got Josh Bell that, in reality, is what the Marlins' offense needed. It needed it. You need a guy that can hit the three-run bomb, change the game. Arias, Soler, Bell. Boom, boom, boom. That's what you need. And that's what they prioritize. Coop, still a good hitter. Everyone, yeah, I say everyone loved Coop. That's, that's not true. <laughs> a lot of people didn't like Coop um, for, you know, Probably the fact that you want it, the profile wasn't quite prototypical at first base, I'd say, with Garrett Cooper. Not enough home runs, too much gap power. But clearly, like the health issues were the main issue kind of put put towards Cooper anyway. And they were they were freak injuries a lot of the time. You know, the hit by pitch situation and the I think uh you know the UCL kind of reaching in at first base, etc. Freak injuries. You know, it wasn't it wasn't so much of the Avicel Garcia situation of like hamstrings and et cetera, et cetera. It was more just freak accidents. But anyway, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there talking about Garrett Cooper. Uh, I didn't expect that. But anyway, we had to talk about it because it was popping up on Marlon's Twitter. But it's time to let you know about our good friends over at Sleeper. Yes, sir. And you have the graphics to help you along as well. So uh, if you want a chance to win more money with less picks, more money for less picks, head to Sleeper. It is the number one sports app where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sounds amazing. If you think Roy Soler is going to hit a home run tonight against Savali, lock it in, baby. If you think Josh Bell is, lock that in too. Who knows? This offense could come alive at any moment. It needs to come alive. Um, Well, we sure do. And on Sleeper, you can swing for the fences on up to 100 time payouts. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select more or less on the stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. You get your picks right, and you could win big. That was in bold, in capitals on this script. Big. I'd <laughs> love to see it. Um, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to 100 bucks matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. You can check out Sleeper today. All right, guys, this is the Tuesday episode of Locked on Marlins, and I am your host, Peter Pratt. Thanks for joining me and making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. Uh, The Tampa Bay Rays are headed into Lone Depot. The Marlins have been playing good ball at home. I think the way the the matchups line up with Sandy Alcantara and Jesus Lozado, Savali and Eflin on deck for the Rays, it's as good a chance as any for the Marlins for a couple of reasons, but a good a chance as any to at least take one of two. And I think that's the bare minimum, the absolute bare minimum the Marlins are looking for here. They're, they're looking to win both games, clearly. And in many ways, they need to. However, you know, two games against the Rays, four against the Nats. 
this next six games is going to be, this is huge, huge right now. Feels like you could at least nick one of two. It feels like against the Nats, you know, they've been playing good ball too, but it feels like if you play well, there's a really, there's a really high probability of, of winning that series. So just, to, you know, if the Marlins can somehow find a way to go, what, five and one in these next six games, boy, oh boy, it puts them bang live, bang live. And all they need to do is just keep hanging around. All these other teams, a few of them are playing each other. They're scheduled to play each other. They're going to be kind of chipping away at each other. Like the Marlins have kind of ended their season series against most of these teams. So those guys are going to chip away at each other whilst the Marlins are facing other teams. If they handle their business, if they do handle their business, they will get in. A lot of people, I must say, are out on the Marlins at this point. They are out. They're out on the Marlins. They don't believe in them. I must say, I can feel it on, on Mar- you know, Marlins Twitter right now. Well, Marlins X. <sighs> Boy, that takes us in a different direction. But anyway, I can feel it. I can sense it. The buzz just isn't quite there. I don't know if it's because there's been a big kind of West Coast jaunt and the, and the Nats have been in town. Again, not a sexy team. Another day off kind of sprinkled in there. I don't know if it, just the Marlins and, and the fan base has lost a bit of momentum. Eyeballs on the Dolphins at this point. Eyeballs. Eyeballs. <laughs> eyeballs on Lionel Messi at this point. I don't know. But it feels like the momentum that the Marlins had earlier in the year when it was the only show on town and they actually performed in many ways, very, you know, at, you know, up to the All-Star break anyway. It feels like that momentum's been lost. It feels like the Marlins at this point need to make a statement, have a statement run, where all of a sudden interest is peaked again. And if it is, who knows? But I'm, I certainly don't think the Marlins are dead. I don't think they are at all. I look around and I think the rotation's in a decent spot. They have question marks over Yuri Perez. They're trying to protect the guys as best they can and manage them, but it's really tough. They've got Eddie Cabrera. They've got Johnny Cueto. And they also have Brian Hoeing and George Soriano. Those two guys in particular have been immense this year. Immense out of the pen. And George Soriano is back. He's back on the roster. Tommy Nance optioned. Poor old Tommy Nance worked his way all the way up. Uh, recalled. Didn't, didn't throw. <laughs> Tommy Nance not required. A lot of one-run games going on. Um, some of them went well. Some of them didn't in that stretch. But so I must tip my cap and just say Soriano and Hoeing have been, have been brilliant all year long. And it's going to be interesting to see what kind of roles they play. Obviously, the Marlins went with a bullpen game against the Nats last time out uh, on Sunday. And it was almost perfection as a bull, as a bullpen game. And so are the Marlins going to continue down that path and maybe use Hoeing or Soriano or use combine them? We'll wait to see. But they do have some decisions to make, particularly about Yuri Perez. But it feels like Johnny Cueto isn't a million miles away. It was a kind of virus sickness type issue. Felt a little bit strong to place him on the IL, to be honest with you. But maybe they were just giving him some rest. Maybe. I don't know. Um, and then you've got Eddie Cabrera. And, you know, I mentioned it, I think, on yesterday's episode that I think Eddie Cabrera is going to have a huge opportunity for the Marlins into September, pitching, you know, what are effectively almost like postseason-type vibes and innings for the Marlins because they're going to be so critical. And it's going to be so interesting. Can Eddie Cabrera find a way to fix the walks? Can he find a way to deliver on the talent that we know he has? 
And in many ways, I feel like that will be the margin call. Could be the margin call on the Marlins season. I think the offense, you know, it's been not amazing all year. You know, in terms of runs scored, seen it. Run diff says the Marlins, you know, they probably are overperforming at this point, to be honest with you. But for them to continue to overperform, I think it's going to come down and the margin call will be on Eddie Cabrera. Can he pick up from what Yuri Perez has been doing right now, which is setting the world alight? He's absolutely incredible, Yuri Perez. Really is. Really, really is. It's so it's so enticing to think about what next year and the year after can look like. But let's live in the present here. The Marlins play well against the Rays. They play well against the Nats. They'll be back in the mix. Bang live. They are bang live anyway. They just now need to play well. They need the offense to find something. Maybe, maybe Jazz Chisholm's uh, event yesterday may have brought some of the guys together. You know, Berger and Bell were down there and Skip Schumacher and Kim. Maybe that was the little kind of rah-rah moment or something. Something that gets Jazz going. I think he spoke. He's been dealing with some, you know, some really tough news in his family. I think he mentioned that maybe two of his aunts had passed away recently, which must be so tough for Jazz. So we can understand why kind of mentally, you know, he'd be feeling that. So, you know, we best wishes to Jazz and his family and et cetera. But at the same time, you know, now are the moments for Jazz to really turn it on and turn, you know, turn the heat up here in the offense and just get things going. Equally, I think we need to see the same from Brian De La Cruz and we need to see the same from Jesus Sanchez. The reality is the Marlins outfield just as a collective group, I would say offensively, particularly you know, since the All-Star break, just hasn't been good enough. It hasn't. Bell's done his thing. Arises, you know, he hasn't been able to carry on where he where he started. Um, Berger's been fine. Even Jacob Stallings, I think, has been okay. But, you know, it's time, I think, for that outfield group to come together. Come together and start really contributing. Like, Jesus Sanchez has been fine, but, you know, we're looking for a bit more from Jesus Sanchez, to be honest with you. We're looking for a touch more. We're looking for some power back. It feels like you know, all of a sudden, you know, and it's a fine balance, right? You're damned if you do, damned if you don't with Jesus Sanchez, maybe, because, you know, we, we, we're talking about it. Hey, you, you're striking out way too much. Need to get the ball in play. Need to get some contact going. And it's what he's doing. He's, he's improved. We have to call it out. But the drop-off then from the power perspective, like, I don't think he's hit a home run for, I don't know, a month? I should have looked that up before the show started, but I haven't. Let's say it's a month. For a player playing pretty much every day as a corner outfield power stick as a lefty to not hit a home run for like a month. Um, it's not good enough, to be honest with you. It's it's below average, and that's kind of the problem. Guys, I'm feeling optimistic, though, to be honest with you. I'm feeling optimistic. I think Sandy, we say this so often, Sandy sets the tone. So does Lozado. I like the pitching matchups. I think it favors the Marlins. I think it does. But when you look at the Rays, boy, oh boy, everything about them is scary in terms of what they are as a collective, as a machine. So impressive. The run diff tells us. The record tells us. Everything about the Rays is impressive. So the Marlins are going to have to play really, really well to beat them. But I think they can. And I think if they do, they roll into that Nats series, four-game series against the Nats, feeling themselves, feeling the mojo, You know you'll have Sandy going in that series as well. 
they'll be feeling themselves. And like I said, if they can go five and one in this stretch, I think the Marlins could well at that point be back in the wildcard spots at that point. And then you're into September. You've got your call-ups. And listen, in going into the year, that's all we could have asked. And it will come down to, can this team get hot in September? And listen, if this team does, if this team and this offense gets hot in September, finds a way to make the wild card, you could have another Philly situation on your hands here. You could, where the improbable almost becomes probable. Where if they get in and they're hot and they're rolling, then who knows how far this team can go. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day, guys. I appreciate it. This has been Tuesday episode with myself, Peter Pratt. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday because, of course, it's a daily pod. We'll see you then.